Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, America. America. Technical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new bracket America. Soccer new bracket America. Feature a person talking about soccer lots. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 61 of Soccer New Rock in America, a name that will actually seem a little bit strange after this week as the American professional soccer season comes to a close. But don't worry, Team Noob isn't going anywhere. We're not even going to slow down following this episode because we love learning about and covering soccer from the whole world over. The show will keep right and going. Every week, we mini-preview 10 matches planet-wide, the ones we find most important. That's a little different than a lot of shows, which makes it a lot of fun. I'll be joined, as always, by my nine-year-old daughter and co-host, Person Noob. Hello! And this week, we'll be talking games covering from Friday, December 10 through Thursday the 16th. Let's dive right in with... March number one! And we start episode 61 with the pinnacle of American soccer, the Major League Soccer Final, which is a match you can catch at 3 o'clock Eastern Time on ESPN or TUDN for a Spanish-language broadcast. And your final, as if you probably didn't know, it is Portland versus NYCFC. Portland have dominated the recent series with a 5-0-1 record. The two teams did not happen to play this year. We'll talk about the Timbers first from Portland. They finished in fourth place in the West, number five overall in the entire league aggregate table. Uh, Second best offense in the league, a very average defense, only ranked number 15 there. They advanced to the final by beating uh, Real Salt Lake Lake, 2-0 last round. Players to look for, top 10 in clean sheets in the league. Their goalkeeper, uh, Stephen Clark, he has seven of those clean sheets. Uh, you got to wonder how the legs are holding up. He's 35 years old. Columbus fans will know him well. He spent three years there. And then kind of oddly, at least to me, I don't know what the connection here would be, but uh, he spent uh, like two and a half or three seasons uh, with a club I'm going to pronounce uh, Hanafoss or Honfoss, which is in Norway. In the fourth division. I don't think they're even paying them, probably. In any case, I think they're all around best players. Probably uh, Yimmy Chara, their Colombian right winger. Uh, nice resume for him. He played uh, for Atletico MG, which is currently the hottest team last two years running down in Brazil, and also with Monterey and Liga MX. He's got six goals and five assists on the season. Uh, really good with his uh, passing, and his tackling is equally outstanding. So he's a guy who tracks back. Red hot for the team here in the playoffs that I want you to look for if you're watching this is their uh, central attacking midfielder, Sebastian Blanco. I'm not sure I've mentioned him in the two or three times that uh, we've been doing the podcast this last year. Um, He's another one a little long in the soccer too, 33 years old. Uh, He played with West Brom, but only a very little bit fairly early in his career, I believe. 
Uh, he has been scoring and assisting both in the playoffs, and I think that's going to make him very tough to stop. Doesn't tackle much, but statistically, he doesn't seem to have any other flaws. As far as the overall team, they have won six straight matches with an absolutely wowing goal differential of 14-4 and just two against. Then coming to town to spoil it there in Soccer City, as Portland is known, NYCFC, the Pigeons. They advanced to the final over Philadelphia 1-2 with an impressive road win. They finished number four in the East, just eighth best overall in the aggregate table for MLS, though. Uh, tied for the second best offense in the league Number six defense And the number three overall goal differential And I'll just interrupt myself right now And say that despite the fact that Portland's got the history And they're having it at home That's why NYC is my favorite Defense travels And I think I think Portland's could come back to bite them I don't even see this going to a shootout or something necessarily In any case, tied for number one in league scoring Valentin Castellanos uh, He is from Argentina, forward, just 23 years old uh, Came up in Chile, uh, strangely enough At least seeming to me, spent his youth years with Universidad de Chile He had 19 goals in the regular season Top 10 in assists, fellow countryman Maximiliano Morales. Really fun to say that first name. Uh, Argentinian attacking midfielder, other end of the soccer age range at 34 years old, though. Uh, he spent some time with some very good clubs, uh, Leon in Liga MX and Atalanta over in Serie A in Italy. Red hot for them in the playoffs, though, has been their uh, central defensive midfielder, Alfredo Morales. He spent a bunch of years in Germany with Division One and Two clubs, uh, Ingolstadt. Uh, I know it was one of the Berlin ones. I think Hertha and uh, Dusseldorf. Uh, Dusseldorf, despite the fact that he's a defensive midfielder positionally, he's actually this year had a lot more success passing than he has been tacklings. And that makes me wonder that if Portland is going to attack them, they might not stick to the edges. They might know, they might go right down the middle, and that'll be fun to see if they can get away with it. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last eight, 6-2-0, with a 16-5 goal differential. Match number B. Thank you for reminding us, as always, person noob, that number two, ugh, it's bathroom talk. Number B is a much more polite and couth phrase. Join our revolution in using it. And so, Sunday, the first of many Sunday matches, match number B, comes to us from Mexico. The top flight is Liga MX. They are having their Apertura final. For their playoffs, this is the second leg of a two-legged home-and-away tie. Now, for newer uh, burgeoning fans like me, here's what that all means. Uh, in Mexico, like in uh, a lot of Spanish-speaking countries here in our hemisphere, uh, they divide the season most of the time into opening and closing stages. They're wholly separate tournaments, Apertura and Clausura. They play the regular season, then they have playoffs. That's where we are for this stage. And uh, this is a Sunday match. It's going to be the second leg out of the home and away two-legged tie. At the time of scouting this, I do not know what the first match result was going to have been. When matches are on Thursdays, I oftentimes don't know. So no matter what the score of the first match was, your matchup on Sunday will still be number B, Atlas, taking on number three, Leon. And Leon have dominated uh, the last couple, three years with a 12-3-4 record against Atlas. This year in the regular season, they split their matches. You can catch this particular match at 9.15 Eastern time on TUDN. We'll talk about Atlas first. Los Zoros, the Foxes. And I'm embarrassed because I did not know that that's what Zoro meant, even though I watched the reruns when I was a little kid. 
on TV for the Zorro show. And then uh, I studied some Spanish in high school and college, but I guess we didn't get to uh, nearly as many animals as perhaps we should have. So uh, more learning. In any case, they uh, play out of Guadalajara. The only playoff league title they've ever won was all the way back in 1950-51, I believe. So this would be a really big deal for them if they can win it. Uh, the last stage, 2020-21 year, the Clausura stage. They finished in seventh place. They got as far as the quarterfinals. So this is a big improvement on that. They advanced to this particular final uh, by succeeding over UNAM, the number eight team for the regular season now. And here's where it gets a little bit weird. And I, I hadn't known this. Um, when you're talking about the playoffs in Mexico, they don't use the away goals, tiebreaker, or anything that most places use. The higher-seeded team, if everything is tied, and these two were tied at 1-1 after their two games, the higher-seeded team automatically advances. It's up to the team with the lesser seed to beat the better-seeded team. Otherwise, their season's done. Don't know how I feel about it. Uh, in any case, in the regular season, Atlas finished with the fourth-best offense, but the defense was where they really buttered their bread. They uh, Number one defense are tied for number one. Uh, they only allowed 10 goals in the 17 matches. On the offensive side, tied for number four in league scoring was Julio Furch, Argentinian, Argentinian forward, 32 years old. And then on the assist leaderboard, another man to look for in the box score, uh, Julian or Julian Quinones. He is a Colombian forward who is actually on loan here from a different Mexican team, UANL. But I believe their all-around best player is probably on the defensive side. They're right back. Diego Barbosa. Um, he enables them to get their counterattack going sometime. He's a really nice combination on uh, both passing, getting those counterattacks started, and obviously tracking back for tackling. He's got two goals and two assists on the year. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. And now Leon, uh, they play out of the state in the central part of the country called uh, Guanajuato, metro area of about uh, one and three quarters million. It's the fourth biggest metro in the country. And they are known, uh, they've got a couple different nicknames, one I really like and one I don't. Wild Beast, not so crazy about it because it refers to the lion on their crest. And longtime listeners will know I'm never a fan of clubs that are called lions because every other darn team or club in the world is called the darn lions. But I really like the green bellies. And I thought, well, that just must refer to their shirt. And it might in part refer to the kit, but it turns out that in Guanajuato, uh, one of the big industries is leather working. And historically, if you, uh, before things got more modern, if you worked with leather kind of as your career, your whole body could end up with a very, very green tint. So that's where the name comes from. Uh, as far as the footy, they have won eight league titles historically. Last one was just a year ago, the 2020-21 Apertura title. Also, they won the League Cup this year, a tournament uh, that involved several teams from the U.S. and from Mexico. They advanced to this particular final over number four from the regular season, UANL. And it was it's the same as for that other team. They tied, although there were more goals. They tied 3-3 three to three after the two matches but the Green Bellies had the better seed, so they get to advance on automatically. They struggled a little bit on offense, at least for a good playoff team. They were barely above average in that regard, but they had tied for the third best defense. Now, what offense they do get, uh, the best guy to look for is uh, Victor Davila. He was in the top five in league scoring. He's a Chilean forward, just 24 years old. Be interesting if he could make a move over to Europe. 
Their all-around best player for this particular stage year, though, has probably been Angel Mena. He's their Ecuadorian right winger. Uh, he made this year's uh, league all-star team, so congrats to him on that. Statistically speaking, at least, he doesn't have any weaknesses, although one anomaly is surprising for somebody who plays on the wing. He struggles just a little bit with uh, passing accuracy, specifically when he's trying to lob in crosses, which you would think would be one of his primary jobs. In any case, the team's current form, they are 2-0-1 in their last three. Match number three. Just know that every single match I'm talking about for nearly the entire rest of the podcast, unless I say otherwise, it's a Sunday match. Just Sunday is absolutely chock full. This one is no exception. And... We're going to Panama for it, the LPF, where they're having their playoff final for this stage. To let you know, this is the number five ranked league in all of CONCACAF. Pretty darn good. They get three CONCACAF league berths. Each of the two stage champions get to go, plus uh, the non-champion that has the best aggregate record. Uh, they're going to play this one at Panama City in a neutral stadium. It's not a two-legged tie. It's just a single match. It'll be between Toro and Herrera. And that's all I'm going to tell you because here now to help us know how to gamble our money and give us his weekly soccer prognostication through some sort of drug-addled vision, the way he usually does it anyway, is our in-house soothsayer, 3,500-year-old Noob Stradamus. Greetings from the merciless Thracian plains of Greece, where my powers of prognostication were shaped a millennia and a half ago. With them, I travel in my mind as I wish, through space and time. Whee! Noob, your desire to know who will win the Panamanian League title got me thinking about a fun palindrome. A man, a plan, a canal. Panama. Extra fun for me because I met its creator, Lee Mercer, who penned it for a Yale publication at a pub in New Haven back in the late 1940s. Brilliant with wordplay, quite the recreational mathematician. Terrible bar wingman, though. But I digress. We were playing strikeout, and I hit three triple twenties on one turn. Just then, a castrated cat had wandered into the shooting area. Believing it had been good luck, I pointed at the board and shouted at the feline, Big ol' sum, a darts boon. Lo, Gib. Yup, when you don't send me our agreed-upon weekly shipment of Fresca, you get no soccer score divination. You get a lame wordplay joke. Figure it out, and send me my Fresca, and next week, I might just give you a soccer score vision. I didn't see for you, but I have spoken. Well, gosh, I am so sorry for forgetting to send you your weekly allotment of precious fresca. Thought maybe I'd learned some leeway over the last year and change we've been doing this. But I will say as something of a wordsmith, yes, I do get what you were going for. It's not a full-on palindrome like your whole Panama thing, but big ol' sum, a darts boon, low gib. Okay, 
I, I get it. I'm a crossword guy. Gib is a castrated cat. So big ol' and low gib. The two ends are palindromic. And then the middle part I figured out, some, a dart spoon, is Noobstradamus backwards. Look, I'm going to be honest. You really stretched for this one, old friend. And we probably need to switch up your drugs. Match number four. We'll slide on over to Costa Rica now. Their Apertura stage is winding up. They're having the second match of their two-legged tie final. Uh, just like before, I'm not sure what the score of the uh, leg one match was at the time of scouting. It simply hadn't been played yet. In any case, this is the number three ranked league in all of CONCACAF. Uh, just like we uh, heard before, the stage playoff winners, uh, each of those two get to go to the CONCACAF league plus the team that has the best uh, record of the non-champions. In any case, here in your final... Number B, Alajuelense, is taking on number four, Saprisa. And this is a classic derby in this country, and for good reason. Uh, in recent years, Saprisa have had the edge, but just barely, with a 26, 20, and 21 record. They played twice in the regular season. Alajuelense only managed a nil-nil draw when they hosted, and then Saprisa had to win in a shootout 4-2 to two when it was at their home grounds. We'll talk about Alajuelense first. It's a hard one for me to say. Always will be. When I uh, first started doing this, I chopped out a syllable, so... Uh, forgive me, Central Americans. I am mean, trying to get it right. In any case, they are known as the Lions. Boo. They used to be known as the Mangoes. Yay. What a fine fruit and mascot. One I really like. Uh, they play out of an area called El Llano in the Alajuela province. It's in the north central part of the country, just to lend some geographic perspective, uh, right on the border with uh, Nicaragua. Uh, the team advanced to uh, this final by winning on away goals as a tiebreaker. They were tied otherwise 3-3 with regular season number three, Santos de Guapiles. Historically, they have 30 league titles to their credit, and they are the defending stage regular season champions. Uh, that was their first title, actually, since all the way back in 2013-14. Uh, this year, second-best offense in the league, almost scoring two goals per match, and a top-three defense to go with it. Good for being tied for the number-one overall goal differential, a very key metric I like to look at. Tied for number B in league scoring is their Cuban sensation of midfielder named Marcel Hernandez. Uh, he's a veteran, over 30 years old. Nearly as I can tell, he's always played for various Costa Rican clubs. Team's current form, they are beaten, unbeaten rather, in 10 matches across all competitions uh, except for uh, the loss that they one of the two uh, the loss they suffered in one of the two matches in the semifinal, and they have been dominant over this stretch with a 15 and six. Goal differential for and against. And now we'll talk about the visitors. My favorite team in all of CONCACAF, the Purple Monsters, Saprisa. I just love that nickname for some reason. Uh, they play out of San Juan de Tibas in San Jose, which is the capital. And they had all kinds of success in the 1900s all the way through. In fact, uh, the big important, I guess, the soccer body, IFFHS, I always run into that acronym. They named them the CONCACAF team of the century. You would think it would be a Mexican team, but no. Uh, they advanced to this final by beating uh, Herediano, the top team for the regular season, 3-2 to two over the two matches on aggregate of the semifinal. I believe this is the team with the most titles in the nation's history, 36, and they are the defending playoff champs. They have won three CONCACAF League, or I'm sorry, not CONCACAF League, but CONCACAF Champions League titles. One of the very few countries, I believe, uh, 
uh, clubs outside of a country besides the U.S. or Mexico to ever do it. Last time they did it was 2005. This year in the regular season, they had a top three offense, a second best defense in the league going, only allowing exactly one goal per match. And that was good for being tied for number one on goal differential. This is going to be one heck of a match, two very equal teams. Possible man of the match is going to be Jimmy Marin. I've talked about him on previous podcasts, 24-year-old midfielder who uh, has a fun anomaly. He has spent his entire career uh, either, I don't remember with this note that I wrote, either with Saprisa or with various Costa Rican clubs, except that he spent two seasons in his early 20s playing for a couple of different uh, Division I clubs over in Israel. Yeah, I'm not sure what the connection is there. Kind of interesting, though. As far as the team's form, they are only 1-0-2 over those last three matches, and twice they were held scoreless. Match number five. Number five takes us on down to South America. We're going to look at the Serie A in Ecuador, which I believe most would consider the number five ranked league in CONMEBOL, perfectly average. As such, uh, they get four berths into the Champions League down there, which is called the Copa Libertadores. And then four teams will also get to go to the Copa Sudamericana, which is their secondary club international tournament. Your final is between Amalek and Independiente de Valle. Both of these teams, uh, each by winning one of the two stages this year, uh, have already earned Copa Libertadores group stage burst, but they're both still going to want to win the trophy and the overall championship for the year. Emelec won the first stage, and then Independiente, they won the second stage. As far as here in the final, this is the second leg of a two-legged tie, and Independiente de Valle won uh, they defended on their home turf with a 3-1 win. So Emelec's got a long road to hoe. We'll talk about them first playing host. They are known as the Light Bulb or the Electrics, I believe based on the founder or founding company for the club originally. Uh, they play out of the city of Guayaquil, which is the number, uh, it's the number one size city in the entire country. It's on the uh, West Central Coast, Port City. In colonial times, in fact, this was uh, arguably the most important port city in all of South America. Footy-wise, 14 league titles to their credit. 2017 was the last time they won it. By the way, that's the most league titles in the nation's history. They won that first stage that I mentioned by three points over Barcelona SC. Last year, they finished in fifth place, so this is definitely an improvement. In the second stage this year, which they did not win, they did finish in second place. Now, look, since that's the more recent sampling, let's talk about their stats from the second stage. They had the best offense going, scoring exactly two goals per match. Uh, top three defense, only giving up one goal per match on the dot. Now, overall, they had the, uh, the most points on aggregate as far as the combined tables, and that's why they're getting to host the second match of this two-legged tie. Uh, they've got three players that are tied on the scoring leaderboard for the year. Best all-around one, in my opinion, is uh, Joao Rojas. He's their central attacking midfielder, just 24 years old. And if his name seems familiar uh, to American fans or Mexican fans, for that matter, it's because he's been linked over the last year or so, although I think it's calmed down to some degree, with uh, Club de America in Mexico and Seattle Sounders in our own uh, MLS. As far as the team's current form, they are just 1-0-2 over the last three with a 7-6 goal differential. So the offense is really going, but the defense has been a little bit suspect. And now we'll talk about Independiente. They play out of a suburb of Quito called uh, Sangal Key. 
2016, internationally, they made the Champions League, the Copa Libertadores finals. And in 2019, they actually won the Copa Sudamericana. The first of those things is particularly impressive because it seems like Brazil nearly always dominates the Copa Libertadores. And when it's not them, two of their teams in the finals, you can bet one or both teams are typically from Argentina, easily the top two uh, leagues in Conmebol. Last year, they finished in third place. They have never won the league. The best league finish they've ever had, they finished in second place in 2013. Uh, They beat Emelec by four points for the second stage title. They finished in third place back in the first stage. Talking about their stats from the second stage, second best offense, tied for the very best defense. They only allowed nine goals in 15 matches. Just so stingy. That was good enough for the overall uh, best goal differential in the league. Number one league score for this team is Jonathan Bauman from Argentina. He's a forward. Actually didn't start the year with this team. He moved over from a different team in the same league called Mushuk Runa, if I'm getting the pronunciation right. But this is a guy who's used to moving around. Um, he has played all over the world. Some of my favorite ones I saw clubs on his resume from uh, Greece, Malaysia, and I believe a couple of years in Indonesia. Team's current form, they are 5-2-0 and oh in their last seven, with a 7-4 and four goal differential in the last three. So they have been strong, particularly on defense. Defense travels, they've got the lead. Uh, IDV are very much my favorites to take the Ecuadorian title. Frightful, awful kittens on a rampage of terror that will never cease. Well, unless we stop to do a recap of last week's matches. So let's do exactly that right now. Match number one last week was a Saturday match for Major League Soccer. We looked at the semifinal between Portland and Real Salt Lake. Portland, of course, came out on top, and that score was 2-0. Match number B from England's FA Cup in the second round. From the seventh level of the British Pyramid, Buxton played host to Morecambe from the third level. That's League One. And there's Morecambe coming out on top. No one. Their superstar scorer, Cole Stockton, that has almost half their goals on the season, got the lone goal for that match. Match number three was actually a series of matches. We looked at various FA Cups. Saturday was Uzbekistan's FA Cup, and it was Nassaf winning it by a 1-2 score. Sunday, we looked at the English Women's 2020-2021 FA Cup Final, and Chelsea won that 0-3. And then on Wednesday, from the Republic of Georgia, it was Sabertulo coming out on top 0-1 in that FA Cup Final. Match number four was from the Swedish top flight, the Allsvenskan Liga, where number B, AIK, took on number 10, Sirius. Now, AIK came out on top, unsurprisingly, 4-2, but league-leading Malmö earned a 0-0 draw, and that's all they needed. So they actually take the title by eight on goal differential. Sunday, match number five. From Canada, the Canadian Premier League final was number one for Jeff C taking on number three Pacific. And in a surprise upset, Pacific came out on top nil one. Congratulations for them on earning their, I believe, first ever CONCACAF League berth for next year. Match number six, the Clausura stage from Paraguay, the Primera División, number B, Guarani, took on number one, Cerro Porteño, and the match ended in a 2-2 draw. Very dramatic match. Uh, Guarani lost two men 
two consecutive double yellows in the 92nd and 93rd minutes. And then Sarah Patenio got their goals to equalize things in the 99th and 101st minutes. And then they went on to lose a player to two straight yellows at the 103rd minute, but no more goals got scored. So it is Sarah Porteño that, in fact, do win the stage, and they have earned themselves a uh, Copa Libertadores group stage berth. Wednesday, match number seven from the UEFA Champions League group stage. Uh, we looked at number four, Wolfsburg, taking on number one, Lille, in that group. And it was Lille coming out on top one to three. Uh, possible man of the match material we said to look for for Lille. Jonathan David had a goal. Match number eight was the UEFA Champions League, but this time on the women's side, their group stage. We looked at number one in their group, Chelsea FC Women, taking on number B, Juventus. There was always a nil-nil draw, so there was no change in table position. Thursday, match number nine from UEFA's Europa League, the secondary international club tournament. The group stage. Number B, Braga, took on number one, Red Star, and the result was a 1 1 draw. No change in table position. And then match number 10 from UEFA's Europa Conference League, the tertiary international club tournament, their group stage. We talked about number three, Union Berlin, taking on number B, Slavia Prague. It was another 1 1 draw, just like the last one. Once again, no change in table positions. Explanations coming a little bit later in the podcast if you're new or if you're not new, they're still coming. Our three bonus matches, the route of the week last week from the Kenyan Premier League, number 18 uh, in last place, uh, the Higa Bullets took on number one, Gore Mahia. And unsurprisingly, Gore Mahia came on on top nil three. From the most meaningless match in the world, Croatia's first division gave us number six, NK Lokomotiva, and number seven, Shibanik. There's always a 1-1 draw, as is so always fitting for the most meaningless match of the world to end in a draw. So there was no change for those two in table positions. And then finally, your match of Disappointed came from Belize's FFB Top League, their opening stage. And we looked at last place, Caesar Ridge took on third to last place, Garden City. And the result was a 2-3 shootout win for Garden City. No change in table position for these two. That's it for our recap of last week's matches. Let's get back to the upcoming week's mini previews with Match number six. We're going to stay in South America and head over to Bolivia, the Primera División there. It's ranked as the number eight uh, league of the ten in CONMEBOL, and they are in their last match round of the entire season. Now, like most uh, Spanish-speaking countries in the Western Hemisphere, they usually divide their season into two stages, like we've talked about a couple of times this podcast. For COVID-related reasons from last year and the need to kind of compress things for some of their clubs involved in international play, they decided to have just one stage this year. And instead of a single round robin, that stage will be a double round robin. So the same number of games, but all in just one tournament, one set of standings. This league gets four Copa Libertadores births and four Copa Sudamericana births, just like the last one we talked about. Before I give you the matchup, let's talk about the table. The strongest, 63 points. Independiente Petrolero, just a point behind the 62. And then Always Ready, trailing them by only one more point in turn at 61. And uh, just a side note about goal differential in case it comes to into play, the strongest and always ready are tied. Uh, they're both way up on on Independiente uh, Petrolero in that regard. So for the last match weekend, 
no two of these three teams are playing one another. The most competitive looking match to me involving any of them it was number eight, Guabira, taking on number B, Independiente Petrolero. So that's the one we'll talk about. Uh, Petrolero won their regular season matchup this year, the first one, two to one. Now, one of the things that I'm a little worried could make this a little bit less competitive, a side note about Guabira, uh, they already have the last Copa Sudamericana berth locked up. They're going to be playing in the first stage of that secondary international club tournament and nothing they can do or not do in this match against Petrolero is going to change that. So except to maybe uh, sort of keep them locked in a a little bit, keep their skills honed, uh, they might not be playing their starters much necessarily. We'll have to see. And let's talk about them for Squabira. They are known as Los Diablos del Norte. They're also known as, this is uh, one I prefer just because it's so unique, uh, Los Azucareros, which translates to Sugar Bowls. Uh, They play out of a city called Montero, more or less in the central part of the country, just east of Santa, really, in the largest state in the country called Santa Cruz. The city itself has uh, well over 100,000 people in it. Uh, As far as footy, 2020 in the Apertura, they finished in sixth place. And I mentioned that instead of the Clausura because the Clausura last year was canceled because of the COVID COVID epidemic. Uh, let's see, as far as this particular stage, their stats has been as average as their table position. They are number eight across the board in offensive and defensive categories. Tied for number three in scoring, probably their best player, is Kevin Mina. He's a homegrown center forward, 15 goals to his credit. As far as the team's current form, they have won their last two, and they scored three goals in each of those which I'm sure they were very happy to see after they got their butts absolutely kicked the match before that, losing 6-1 to always ready. And now Independiente Petrolero. They are known as El Refineros. I'm not sure if that means refiners or if it's actually a singular for refinery despite the OS. In any case, they play out of the city of Sucre, which is the constitutional capital of the country. Just like we have separation of powers in our constitution, they apparently do there as well, but they actually separate them out geographically. So this is like the home of their version of the Supreme Court. Uh, It's a city with very low crime. Uh, It's very popular for that and other reasons with uh, expats and tourists. And uh, if you're into architecture, the Spanish architecture there is better preserved than pretty much anywhere else in the country, maybe all of South America. It's the sixth biggest city, by the way, and it's in the south central part of the country. Uh, Last year, they finished in second place in the second division league in this country, which is called the Copa Simón Bolivar. So they got promoted for finishing in the second position. Uh, This is their third time in Division I since the 1980s. Uh, Their stats... To be perfectly honest, I'm a little surprised that they're as high as they are in the table. They've only got a little bit above average stats for uh, offense and defense. They must be getting some gutty, gritty wins. They do have a top four goal differential, though. Number one league scorer is there's the boast of. His name is Martin Prost. He's an Argentinian attacker and veteran. Teams form in their last three, uh, they have been absolutely dominant. Three straight wins, a nine and nine to one goal differential. Match number seven. 
And now we earn our frequent flyer miles heading way over to Europe to Kosovo, the Super League, where the Super League, their top flight, has only been recognized formally by UEFA and FIFA since 2016. It's the number 39 ranked league in all of Europe, and that's up nine spots from a year ago. Definitely on the rise. They still only get the minimum on international berths. The first qualifying round, uh, they're champion for the Champions League, and then second and third place teams will be going to the Europa Conference League. Once again, first qualifying round berths. They're about halfway through the season there. And your matchup is number one, Balkani, taking on number B, Gilani. Very tight race. Balkani leading by one in the table. Gilani in turn lead club called Drita by three. And these are the only three in the race. But I think it's going to come down all the way through the second half into the end of the season. When the two teams played earlier this year at Gilani, it went to a 1-1 draw. We'll talk about the hosts, Balkani first. I wish I could have found a quick answer for this one, but didn't. They are known as the Gabriels. I don't know if that's based on the first or last name of a local historical figure. Might be specific to soccer, maybe not. I suppose could even be related to the angel Gabriel from the Christian Bible. Just not sure. What I am more sure of is they play out of the town of Suva Reka. That translates to Dry River in Serbian. South central part of the country. Town only has a fair bit over 10,000 people. But the overall metro is really spread out. And it's got about 60,000 people. Club was founded 74 years ago. Last year they finished in third place. Which... Uh, this year, third place would be good enough to get to go to the ECL, but last year, that spot was specifically reserved for the country's FA Cup winner. Statistically this year, second-best offense, second-best defense, and tied for number one overall goal differential. Most likely man of the match material is tied for number three league-leading scorer, Ermal Krasnicki. As far as the team's form, they have won four straight, and very impressively, all th- uh, their last three matches have all been on the road, and they got wins in those. And now your road team, Jelani, they're known as the Falcons. Uh, the town name is almost exactly the same that they play out. If you just drop that last I, Jelan uh, or Jelan, not sure uh, which syllable gets the emphasis there. But anyway, uh, this is only the eighth biggest uh, city in the country, but it's got about 100,000 people, East Central Park. Last year, they finished in fourth place. They've only got one loss in the year uh, compared to two to Balkani, but they've had a lot more draws. Uh, they have been identical on offense and defense all year as far as stats. But the number one league leading scorer is there, and his name is Gerhard. I don't know if the G is silent or not. Prony or Progni. He is an Albanian midfielder, long in the soccer tooth at 35 years old. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last 13, and they have won two straight matches. Match number eight. We like to sneak in extra matches into our usual official 10 by putting the FA Cup Tournament Finals into one match slot here on the podcast. For no real reason, this particular week, we will be presenting these in the artful form of the haiku, because why not? And we won't over-explain each of these matches. You can Google them up on your own if you're interested. Friday from South Korea, the second leg of a home-and-away tie. Daegu and Dragons will battle like fire and ice. Daegu lead 1-0. Sunday and Wednesday, we will get the two Brazil FA Cup home and away legs. Atletico MG. Atletico Paranense. I had to cheat there. 
the pronunciation wasn't right. I couldn't fit it into the 575 otherwise. Sunday, Estonia, not a final. This is around a 32 match between Flora 3 and Flora. The third reserve team get to host the senior club will be a blowout. And finally, Monday and Wednesday, we'll get the home and away legs for the India IFA Shield final. The IFA Shield. This is not an FA Cup. Not sure what this is. Match number nine. This is a Tuesday match right back here in our home region of CONCACAF. The CONCACAF League final, and this is the second match of the two-legged home and away tie. Now, this is not the CONCACAF Champions League. I always throw in a quick reminder. Uh, The CONCACAF League is mostly for uh, Central American teams, Caribbean, and then one Canadian uh, representative generally. And the top six teams from this tournament qualify for the next CONCACAF Champions League. You can catch this match at 10 o'clock Eastern time on FS2 or TUDN for a Spanish language broadcast. And it is Comunicaciones out of Guatemala taking on Matagua out of Honduras. And it was Comunicaciones with a very surprising uh, one to two win in the first leg, not only because it was on the road, but because of the perceived difference in quality from these two leagues. Uh, I'll explain in a moment because we'll talk about Comunicaciones first. Uh, they play out of Guatemala City, and this is not even considered uh, one of the better leagues, their top domestic flight in Central America. It's only rated number nine in all of CONCACAF, their Liga Nacional. Now, they advanced to this final by beating their countrymen, Guastatoya, 3-1 to one on aggregate in the semifinal. Historically, in their own league, they have 30 titles. Last one was the 2015 Clausura stage title. They did win the CONCACAF Champions League once, but I think it was a three-way shared title. I, I didn't read up a whole lot on it. It was all the way back in 1978, so maybe not a lot of bearing on right now, but a little fun fact. This year's event, they've got the number one event scorer in Andres Lascano. He's had five goals in uh, their most recent domestic league stage. Uh, they just finished in uh, the number B position in the regular season. They're actually about to play Estapa in their uh, league playoffs for the 2021-22 Apertura stage. As far as the last completed stage, uh, best offense in the league was theirs to boast of. And they had the number three defense as well, uh, only letting in less than a goal every other match. It's not a real offensively oriented league, to be perfectly honest. Tied for number six in league scoring, another player to look for, Liner Garcia, attacker, just 21 years old. It'll be interesting to see if he can move up to one of the higher Central American leagues to start out, uh, maybe some plays like Costa Rica. As far as the team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last nine, and they have won five matches in a row with an emphasis on their excellent defense. And now Matagua looking to try to make a serious comeback. They are the Eagles or the Blue Cyclone, and uh, they play out of the capital city of Honduras, Tegucigalpa. But the club, and I hadn't noticed this before, I've talked about them before, but I've wondered about the team name. Uh, It turns out when this club was founded, it was actually three other clubs that merged together. And rather than be Tegucigalpa United or something like that, they decided to name themselves collectively after a nearby river, the Matagua River. Interesting. 
Uh, their Liga Nacional is the fourth ranked of all of CONCACAF, second best in the Central American region behind Costa Rica. They have won 17 domestic league titles. Most recent one was the 2018-2019 Clausura. As far as the CONCACAF League, uh, they've got a nice history with this recently. Uh, they finished as runners-up in both 2018 and 2019. This year, they advanced to the final over Forge FC out of Canada, uh, two to two on aggregate. They uh, won the tiebreaker on away goals. Uh, top ten in event scoring. They've got two guys, Kevin Lopez, uh, who I'm a little familiar with, and Roberto Moraira, probably a very young fellow. I've not read his name at all. He's from Paraguay. Might be a recent acquisition. Uh, they just managed a home draw, by the way, versus Real España in their current playoffs, the 2021-22 Apertura season. So they've been very busy as well. That after a number four regular season finish. And in that most recent stage, they had the uh, number one offense scoring over two goals per match, but a very average of best defense, only fifth place in the league on that. In league play, tied for number five in league scoring is the aforementioned Kevin Lopez, 25-year-old midfielder, and he's been with this club his entire career. The team's current form, they are not nearly as hot as their opponents today. 0-3-1 in their last four, albeit with a slightly a slight advantage of their goal differential of 5-4. to four. I wouldn't want to – this is going to be a great match. I'm going to have to find somebody who's got FS2. I don't have it on my own cable or satellite package, and this is going to be a phenomenal second leg for the final. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Yes, the last of our sort of official 10 matches that we do we're tracking on is here. This is a Wednesday match from UEFA's Women's Champions League. The group stage is wrapping up. This is the very last round of matches in the group stage. The top two teams from each of the groups of four will move on to the knockout round. The most competitive and important-looking match looks like it's going to be number three, TSG 1899 Hoffenheim from Germany versus number B, Arsenal women. Now, to be perfectly honest, as I mentioned before on the show, there's not always a lot of apparent parity within the women's game. This is the most competitive looking match, but it may not really be that competitive. Arsenal uh, lead Hoffenheim by three in the table. And the head-to-head, even if Hoffenheim were to win at home, the head-to-head is going to matter in terms of how much he scored. And Arsenal won the first match 4-0 at their place. So, to be honest, this is probably already decided. So, as we do most each and every podcast, we not only learn about soccer, but we learn about the world through the lens of soccer, or simply using soccer as an excuse. And as I most commonly do, I use it as an excuse to learn about food. Hoffenheim is a very little village in an area called, in a state in Germany called, I believe it's Baden or Baden-Württemberg. And it is the asparagus capital of Europe, perhaps the entire world. Now, you can't make this stuff up. It's especially known for white asparagus, which I wasn't even familiar with. I'm only familiar with the standard green variety. Regardless, we are going to learn a recipe for something called Spargelzuppe. <laughs> I've been practicing the pronunciation. I think I might have got it about 80% right. And it translates, Spargel is asparagus zuppa, basically a cognate. You can imagine, asparagus soup. Yeah. And it's going to be more delicious than you think. Don't fast forward through this. This will be fun. Your ingredients. I'll try to whip through these pretty quick. Your uh 
for a standard batch, you're going to have uh, two pounds of green asparagus, or if you want to be really traditional, I recommend getting white asparagus, and then you have to peel it off because it's a little bit tougher. Teaspoon of uh, salt, half a teaspoon of granulated sugar, tablespoon of lemon juice, three tablespoons of cream. Uh, you're going to want some pepper to go with that salt to taste. And then this is very important to be traditional. You can use parsley or chives for garnish. But what you really want to use is chervil. It's a very mild spice in that same vein of parsley or chives. Um, and it is meant specifically for seasoning mild dishes like this asparagus soup. You're going to get a little bit of an anise or a uh, licorice flavor with this. Now, how do you make it? Well, first, you remove the tough ends of the asparagus by bending it and snapping them off the bottom ends. Put the peelings and the tough ends into a soup pot with four cups of water, add salt and sugar, bring this to a boil, and then simmer it for 10 minutes. Once you've done that, you're going to drain it pressing it through a sieve and returning the cooking liquid to the pot and then just get rid of those asparagus ends. Those are nasty. You don't need those. Now, cut the remaining spears of the asparagus into two inch pieces roughly and then add those to the cooking liquid in the pot. Simmer about five more minutes. Just make sure that the asparagus is tender. And then remove the asparagus, cut off the tips, but don't throw those away. You're actually going to save those. Put the rest of the asparagus into a blender with the lemon juice that I mentioned, set it to puree, add a little bit of cooking liquid if you're going to need to to make sure that this has the proper viscosity to look right. Then you're going to pour the pureed uh, lemon asparagus through a sieve once again. You want to get any remaining fibers out of there into directly the cooking liquid in the pot. And you will once again bring it all to a simmer, add the cream that I mentioned, season with your salt and your pepper, and then, uh, because now you've just got the puree, now you can take those uh, lovely looking asparagus tips and add those to the soup, sort of like a heavy garnish. And then you top it off with that chervil that I mentioned. So for asparagus soup, I got to say, because I'm a lemon fan, it sounds pretty good. For your part, well, you're welcome for this delicious sounding new German way of making your pea stink. Bring forth the bonus matches. Soccer Noob USA is my Twitter handle. The first day or two of each and every week, I put up polls asking which matches that qualify for each of these rather unique slots should make our bonus section in the podcast. The first one is a blowout in waiting, a first versus last place matchup that we like to dramatically call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, week. Week, week. And the one that you have voted on is a Sunday match from Norway, the Elite Serien. They are in their last match round of their season. This is one of Europe's uh, summer leagues, and I believe it might be the very best. It's certainly one of the very best of their summer leagues. Uh, the Elite Serien is ranked number 21 in all of Europe. Uh, they still only get one Champions League berth, and that team has to start the first qualifying round. The second and third place teams still have to start in the Europa Conference League, but they do get to begin in the second qualifying round instead of the first. On the other end of the spectrum, two teams are going to get relegated, and then uh, the team that finishes just ahead of those will still have a chance to fight for their Division I lives in a relegation playoff. And the matchup is last place, number 16, Myondalen, versus number one, Bodu Glimt. Again, it is the last match of the season, so it's important to know how the table looks. 
uh, because everything is up for grabs, both ends of the table. Uh, first, uh, Myun Dalin down there, they trailed Brand by only one in a club. I can't remember the pronunciation. It's got an old Englishy looking A-E, but I'm going to pronounce it Stabik. Uh, they uh, trailed them by just two. So while Myun Dalin cannot entirely escape the relegation zone, if they were to somehow pull off a miracle win for this on this particular day, they could hypothetically climb as high as third to last and be in the relegation playoffs instead of automatically dropping down to the second division. Now, Bode Glimt, uh, they lead uh, current second place team Molda by three and two on goal differential. Now, it's possible that they could end up tied both on points in the table and goal differential. If that happens, it's advantage Molda because the next tiebreaker is goals scored, and Molda have a huge advantage in that. Boda Glimt, as we'll discover shortly, are a very defensively oriented team. So everything's up for grabs at both ends of the table. Uh, these teams did play once earlier this season. Boda Glimt had them at home and won till new. 2-0. And in the series, as you might imagine, based on their place in the table, yeah, Buda Glimt, they've owned them. A 14-3-2 record in recent years. We'll talk about your home challengers first. Yo, Dalen, uh, they are in a, uh, it's not quite a village, a hamlet. <laughs> the phrasing I saw was kind of interesting. It says, that Miodalen is a built-up area in Drammen, which is an area in Viken County, which is in the southeast part of Norway. It's the most populated section of the country. It has 100,000 people or so. Fun little side note that I found about it. They've had real traffic problems all the way through the last century and change, but that was partly mitigated when they got the first trolley buses in all of Scandinavia in the 1900s, but they only ran through the 1960s. <laughs> How's that for your non-soccer knowledge? In any case, this has been something of a yo-yo team. They were just re-promoted to the top flight in 2018 once again. Best league finishes they've ever had. They finished runner-up twice. They've never won the title, but even to find it out when they finished number B, you've got to go all the way back to 1976 and 1986. They have won the FA Cup in the country three times, but you've got to go way back in the annals of soccer history in Norway to find that. All three of those titles were in the 1930s. Last year, they finished in 14th place. This year, uh, the lack of offense has been the most serious bugaboo. Tied for worse in that category, the defense is only a little bit better. Uh, best all-around player that they've got going is Sandre Johnson. He anchors their below average, but still better than their offense, defense. He plays center back, or he was their best all-around player, sadly for them. He is now with Motherwell, which is a uh, sort of also ran in Scotland's top league, the Premiership. He ended up going over there in August. So the best player that they have remaining is Isaac Tuum. Uh, he's from Ghana, central midfielder, just 22 years old. Really good combination statistically that I've seen of uh, – uh, passing accuracy and his ability to track back and tackle. I don't think it's going to be enough, and probably neither do you. The teams form in their last four. They've got a 1-0-3 oh, record with just a 3-7 and seven goal differential. And then your likely champions in waiting, both of this game and of the league, Bodu Glimt. Uh, Glimt, I believe, translates directly to lightning, although I have also read in the past uh, that the club's nickname was The Flash, which, of course, would be related. Uh, they are in the northern half of the country on the West Coast. In fact, they are, and I believe they are the only top-flight team that is north of the Arctic Circle, a town of about 50,000. 
something really funny and unique about this town that makes me want to root for them. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fans here in the U.S. will be familiar, of course, with the giant yellow terrible towels. Well, I don't think they stole the idea from Pittsburgh, given that they've been around a lot longer than the Steelers. But what they wave around at their games in Bodu are giant yellow toothbrushes. I realize a noob, I'm a noob, and it might sound like I'm making that up, but I assure you I am not. Uh, they are, by the way, the defending champions of the league, and last year was their first ever league title in history. Uh, this year, the offense is very good. They're tied for third in that category, but they score almost two per match. But the defense is where they have really been shining. Number one defense by lots. Uh, they're the only team that's allowing less than one goal per match on average. Uh, best player they've got going on offense, number four league scorer Eric Botheim. He's a forward, 21 years old, and European footy fans, even if you don't follow uh, the Northern European variety, if you follow the larger leagues, you will get to know this kid more than likely because all signs point to that he will be moving to Roma after this season ends. On the other side of the field, uh, goalkeeping number one in the league in clean sheets is Russian Nakira Kayan. He was actually born in Israel, but uh, he repped for uh, Russia, I believe, at the youth levels. Team's current form, they are unbeaten across all competitions in 25 straight matches. Mian Dolan is simply not going to win. Or will they? Maybe there is one slight chink of the armor that we can look at, at least on paper. While they haven't lost any games in over two dozen straight, they have only managed draws in their last three. They're fading a little bit and are actually now in a position to potentially give away the league title. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. What podcast out there has the heart, I ask you, to shine a spotlight on teams like these two that no one else is probably potting about anywhere in the world? Clubs right smack dab in the middle of their standings, equidistant from winning international tournament berths or getting some kind of attention because they're finishing so low in their leagues that they possibly risk getting relegated. The most meaningless match in the world. Maybe not so meaningless for us. The one you voted for is a Sunday match. We're going to talk about a couple of club teams from the Maltese Premier League, which is the number 46 ranked league in all of Europe. So getting down there near the bottom, to be perfectly honest, and as such, uh, they get the minimum in terms of international tournament bursts. The league champion will have to start in the first qualifying round for uh, the next Champions League. The next two teams will start at the first qualifying round in the tertiary international club tournament, the Europa Conference League. Now, as far as on the other end of the spectrum, I had to make a little bit of a guess as far as uh, relegation because the number of teams in this league, probably due to COVID the last few years, has been changing. My best guess is that they're only going to relegate the last team. It could be two or that the second to last place team you know, might be in a relegation playoff situation. Regardless, uh, these two teams really shouldn't be in any danger of finishing anywhere but more or less right where they are in the middle with nobody watching them but us. Now, uh, they finished their first 11 matches of the season so far, which is the first half, a single round robin of their double round robin first phase. 
Once that double round robin is done, then the league will divide into championship rounds and relegation rounds. And once that happens, my sources will actually show how many teams are getting relegated, but I haven't been able to find it yet because I'm a noob. In any case, your matchup is number eight Sirens versus number nine. I'm not 100% sure the pronunciation here. I'm going to pronounce it with our J. Gudja could be Gudja. Gudja United. Sirens won the first matchup this season, nil one. Uh, here's how the table looks. Guja United lead last place Slammer Wanderers by six. That's not a ton of points, but there's a lot of teams in between. On the other end of things, uh, Sirens, number eight, they trailed number three, which represents uh, the second of those ECL berths, Berkakara by nine points, so even more. They're not going to catch a sniff of, uh, you know, you know, getting to go to European competition. Let's talk about our f- hosts first, Sirens. They are out of a town, I'll probably mispronounce in the local language or one of the local languages, San Paul Il Bahar, uh, but it translates to St. Paul's Bay. The area is, uh, is either known to be or thought to be where the Apostle Paul shipwrecked uh, from the story from the Bible. So kind of cool there. Uh, geographically, it's about 10 miles northwest of, of Valletta, which is the capital. So it's in the northern part of this small island country. It's got about 25,000 people as a base population. Uh, but this is a really, really popular uh, tourist destination, both for international visitors and for locals. And during that part of the year, it swells all the way up to about 60,000. I just love their crest. The colors are blue and white, and they have this slightly silhouetted, uh, somewhat detailed, but still sketched uh, mermaid that it's one of my favorite crests that I've ever seen. I'm a fan of this club just because of it now. I also like the uh, very cool Latin uh, motto that they have on there. It's not really soccer related directly, but it's just kind of cool. Ad Astra per Aspra, to the stars through hardships. Just kind of cool. Club was founded a little over 50 years ago, but they actually just made the top flight here, the Premier League, following the 2019 season. Yet somehow, despite this, and I didn't quite catch the why of it, they actually are and have been for a while the largest supported team in the country. In their first year, 2020-21, they did well enough that they actually, uh, or I'm sorry, 2019-2020, they did well enough that they got to go to European competition, but they lost in the first qualifying round of the Europa League. Last year, they finished in ninth place. This year, I'm not even sure they're going to be able to hold on to the middle of the standings, to be perfectly honest. The offense... Uh, is average about what you uh, expect. They're about in sixth place, but they've got tied for the worst defense in the league, giving up over two goals per match. That's only good overall from the number 11 goal differential. Uh, top 10 scorer for this team, uh, somebody from our region of the world, CONCACAF, Jamaica specifically, Kamar Reed. The team's current form, they are 1-0-3 in, in their last four and as you would expect based, uh, expect based on the stats I mentioned, uh, they've been having some serious trouble on the defensive side of things. Gucci United coming to town. Uh, they are in a village in the southwest part of the country, also not all that far uh, south of Valletta, to be perfectly honest. Uh, let's see here. Uh, they are known in this area for their uh, prehistoric and specifically Punic Remains so like archaeology types, liberal arts types uh, might be familiar with this area. Uh, it's also the home of uh, something called the Hal Ruskin Catacombs, uh, which are famous for their carved decorations that specifically indicate uh, that they were probably made by Christians, which is really unusual for the island for some reason. So 
part of what this area is known for. Last year, they finished in 11th place, so climbing up to the most meaningless match in the world is a bit of an improvement, to be perfectly honest. Statistically, uh, they're not as uh, volatile and bad on defense as their counterparts today. Number 10 offense, number 8 defense. Uh, a couple of the guys on the team are uh, leading with three goals each. We won't really get into them this time. As far as the team's current form, they won their latest match, and that broke a five-match losing streak. And now the true end of our podcast road is at hand, the third bonus match, one in which we do not celebrate teams of quality as we have nearly all the episode prior. Instead, we are here to bear witness to the utter putridity of two league bottom feeders worthy of naught but our scorn. This is the match of Disappointed! Yes, it is deserving of your Herculean hatred, Kevin Sorbo. The match of Disappointed that you have voted on is a Sunday match out of the worst-ranked league in all of Europe, San Marino's Championship. If you're not familiar with San Marino, that's uh, fine. It's one of those countries that's a microsty. You could be driving through Italy. It's enclave there. And if you sneeze, you miss it, just like a tiny town in the Midwest U.S., uh, one of the more unfortunate things about this league is uh, it's an amateur league. I'm not sure that there's a second amateur league within the country because it is so tiny. Whether there is or not, there is no relegation out of this league. So no matter how poorly these teams perform, we're going to be stuck with them again next year. And the ones that you have voted for are number 14, second to last place, SP Kailungo, taking on number 15, SS Cosmos. They are the only two winless teams in the league. We will talk about Kailungo first. They are out of the uh, village of Borgo Maggiore, uh, which is a castle or commune within the country or the one that is in is the second largest in the country. It's about 7,000 people. Uh, the state hospital is there. Public services department is seated there, and they have the only heliport in the community. So that way, if anybody gets uh, so incredibly sick of the terrible soccer played in this vicinity, they can get airlifted out, apparently. Last year, they finished in eighth place, which is right about the middle of this league. This year, not so much so. 0-2-8, and, and their offense and defense, the stats back it up. They're pretty much second or third to worst in every category you can imagine. The team's leading scorer, who has all of three goals two-thirds of the way through the first phase of the season, their single round robin uh, before the playoffs begin, which they won't get a sniff of, uh, has three goals. He's an Italian attacker, Mattia Urbanati. Uh, the team's form they actually just broke a four-match losing streak with a draw at number six, Libertas. Ooh, you still stink and we're not that impressed. So given that, let's move on to SS Cosmos. They play out of the castle or Castile of Saravalle, which is in the very northwest corner of the country. If you're a really, really hardcore baseball fan, particularly outside the U.S., there's a chance that the that you actually might have heard of this area. They are home to a baseball club called T&A. I don't know what it stands for, but they actually compete in the top tier of Italian baseball. Who knows? Maybe that's part of the reason why uh, apparently they can't tell a soccer ball from a baseball. They're really bad. Last year, they were just about as bad. They finished in last place, finished with a 1-1-12 record in their regular season. This year, 0-2-8, just like their counterparts today. But the goal differential for and against is cartoonishly bad. One goal for and 27 against. Woof. Uh, so their best offensive player, I suppose you could call him, and given that he's got the only goal for the team, is Raul Ura. He's an Italian attacker, 23 years old. 
But guess what? This team, they just broke a six-match losing streak with a draw versus number nine, Damagnano. I won't do the ooh sound effects this time because it's not as quite as impressive as the win that the other team or the draw that the other team got. But hey, it's better than nothing. Now, since they both just got results last match each, clearly they don't need our good luck wishes, uh, you know, from the likes of us. So we will continue, as we always do in our fair tradition here on the Noobcast, to turn our backs on these sad sack soccer teams, sending them off instead in our usual fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Away. Hey, boo! boo! And that's it for episode 61 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America. Thank you very much to my team and to you for listening. Until next time, have a fabulous footy week. Take care. Thank you.